0: Hi there, my name is Alex Faust, and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week, we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. I am Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. I'm very excited to be joined today by Rebecca Thomas. We have a little bit some oh, something a little bit different for you uh, in store today. So very excited to get going. But if you're not familiar with Rebecca, if you haven't had the pleasure of meeting her yet, uh, she is our very own VP of marketing. And the reason why we brought Rebecca to Conversations to the Edge today is because the landscape for lead generation and marketing continues to change drastically. And it's more important than ever to have an expert on your team who's really staying ahead of the trends and making sure that you can grow your customer base quickly and at a price point that you can afford. Uh, Rebecca, welcome to The Other Side of the camera today, and <laughs> you, uh, where are you, you joining us from?
1: So, I am in where am I, Dela Plain, Virginia, which is a tiny little town.
0: You know, as I said in the intro, the landscape is changing once again. The role of Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok are shifting daily. Um, so, what do you see as the biggest opportunity for marketers today?
1: And I'm going to tell you that it depends. Um, it depends for Growth Institute, it depends for your business, it just kind of depends. And the thing that's going to tell you more than anything else, more than any landscape chart or article that you read is going to tell you where you should be um, advertising or where you should be, um, you know, spending your marketing efforts, it is knowing your audience. So, you know, not just their demographic but like what their pain points are and where they go to get their information and what they are looking for, um, you know, in in terms of of, of solving their biggest problems. And, you know, that might be an association of some kind or it may be TikTok or it may be, um, you know, the Washington Post, it may be um, LinkedIn. So, you know, social is an important channel but it's not the only channel. And while it is the one that's making the most headlines right now, right, it may not necessarily be where your Um, you know, highest level of impact marketing opportunities are. So my first piece of advice is to think less about the platform and more about who you're trying to talk to and figuring out where they're going to be and go be there. And that's a totally different mix if you're a tech startup or if you're an executive education firm like us, or if you are a manufacturer, for example. Um, but the other thing I will say is that there are some foundations that I've found are just super important, no matter who you are. So, you know, trendy platforms um, aside, search engine marketing is one of my favorite. It's, it's kind of where a lot of my background comes from in performance marketing. I was a search marketer before, um, before you know, from way back in my in my career. And so... I still think that search engine marketing, for both organic and also having a complementary paid um, paid strategy, is essential to any business. And again, that goes back to being there when people are looking for you, right? And search engines are kind of magical that way. Um, I think that having a killer content strategy and a really diverse content strategy is important. It can be um, a very heavy lift, but is incredibly important. Again, to answer those questions and to be there when people are looking for um you know the the problem that you solve or the value that you provide and then i also think that retargeting um is is incredibly important so as people are pre-qualifying themselves by coming to your site coming to your blog coming to um a product page etc um you know retargeting both from a display perspective and also from a social perspective um, even sometimes within the the search marketing landscape, you can retarget people who have already already pre-qualified themselves as interested in you um, and have that always on way to bring them back and keep you top of mind. So um, so it depends.
0: <laughs> That's great. Well, I appreciate you breaking that down and If we maybe take a a step back and, you know, you as a performance marketing expert, can we talk a little bit about like, what is performance marketing as a whole? How do you define that? And if you're looking to invest or um, make it performance marketing part of your strategy, what kind of person are you looking for to to kind of lead that in your organization?
1: That is uh, a great question. And I think that. the the first thing you wanna look for is somebody who's super curious and someone who can take data and synthesize it and be able to tell a story with it or or at least draw some some hypotheses out of the data that you can turn into campaigns. And it's those curious people who are gonna be the ones who find you those innovative channels that may not be the big flashy ones, but they're the ones that really carry the impact with your audience. And it's also the people who are going to bring the ideas that really make the difference in, you know, in, in a campaign. So, um, you know, for example, um, we collect survey data in our webinars, and one thing that we we try to do is, you know, mine those um, those webinar uh, surveys for insights into what our our audience is you know thinking or has questions about or struggling with or what those pain points are and then you know the other side of the person that's going to be a a great performance marketing fit is someone who can kind of a right brain left brain thing someone who can turn those um those insights and that data into you know creative ways to build buyer's journeys Um, and someone who understands that you know yes an ad click is important but then how do we nurture that that weed how do we make sure that we're working correctly with sales and so Someone who understands and thinks about the customer experience from start to finish um, is, is a really important asset. It's not just about, um, you know, your Facebook ad engagement rate or um, or what have you. It's about that entire experience that you create um, for your customers when they come in, um, you know, through through whatever campaign that you've created. So I would say, um, you know, a great performance marketer is both, you know, sort of logical and numbers and database and also can pull out that creative side of them when they when they need to.
0: So, have you found um, universal KPIs that are critical to be understanding from a performance marketing uh, mindset?
1: So, I think about marketing KPIs in two buckets and how they the the way that they work together are what we call you know the levers that you can pull to um, to optimize. And so, I think about the volumes that I need to drive as that first bucket. And I think about the efficiencies with which we drive them as the second bucket, right? So I need to drive a thousand MQLs this month. And in order to do that, I need to convert traffic at, you know, from, or I need to convert leads to MQLs at a 20%. And is that realistic or not? And so, you know, I, I think about KPIs in those two buckets and with every campaign that I build, I do two things. First, I build the buyer's journey that I think is going to be the most impactful way to drive someone from a prospect or someone just coming onto my website and just filling out their first form all the way to being ready to talk to sales or all the way to being ready to purchase if that, if that's more your purchase journey. Um, and what I'll do is once I've figured out what those touch points are, I'll actually put those into a bottom up model. And I start with the revenue that I need to drive, the sales that are going to drive that revenue, how many MQLs I need to drive to get those sales um, uh, up and, and all the way. And then you think about the efficiencies that you need to do in order to get those, those, um, in order to drive those volumes. And you start to be able to tell whether or not those efficiencies are realistic or not, right? And so you start to get your KPIs. I've got. Um, you know, a 1,000 MQLs, but I can't hit that 20% or I'm not hitting it yet. So what am I gonna do in between that lead and that MQL to warm it up more or, you know, warm up the score or get them to take that next step that turns them into an MQL. And really understanding that entire journey from, you know, the first click on an ad or the first click on your organic listing in Google, all the way down to whether or not they are, they become ready to talk to a sales rep or they become ready to purchase online. Um, can be, you know, mapped out. So I think uh, that's how I think about KPIs. And another note that I made for myself to mention here is that, you know, within every channel that you uh, that you market within, um, they have their own specialized KPIs. So in email, you might be looking at, you know, open rates and click-through rates, and those are important and a contributing factor to the funnel. In ads, you might be looking at your click through rate and your conversion rate when they hit the landing page, and those are important as well. But from a CEO perspective and a a top line perspective, I think understanding exactly what you need marketing to do and and having those KPIs built at the sort of um, funnel level um, is is more effective than trying to look at every KPI within every channel that that your marketing team is managing or that your marketing people are managing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think so. And just to to clarify, um, for folks who might not be familiar with the terminology, MQL ah. means marketing qualified leads. So I don't know That's if maybe right. it, it's worthwhile talking about the the stages in which we think of leads and how we sure. talk about them, you know, at least at Growth Institute.
1: I first learned about, you know, acronyms like marketing is full of acronyms, right? I first learned about acronyms like MQL and SQL um, when I was uh, at my previous company and we were thinking through all of our marketing automation and sales funnel and how marketing and sales kind of work together to drive um, to drive things. And so, um, you know, Serious Decisions is a, a, a large sort of consulting organization, research organization that, you know, enterprise level businesses work a lot with to, um, to consult on how exactly to tweak their, their marketing automation funnels and their sales cycles, et cetera. And I, I believe that it was serious decisions that actually coined these, um, these, these types of, of acronyms. But, um, but at, at the highest level, of course, you've got your lead and a lead, or you can even go a little further up and, and think about, um, subscribers, for example. A subscriber is someone who, you know, just interacts with your newsletter or you only have their email address, for example. And then you you know you drive them through some marketing activity and they become a lead, which means they've you know downloaded a piece of information um, or a, a white paper or you know a lead magnet or something, and they've they've taken a few additional steps. And then um, then you get into the marketing qualified lead stage, which you know means that either um, you have uh, they've they've taken some key activities that that you find and that your sales team finds. Um, you know, warrants some attention from sales, right? There's a little bit of intent behind some of these activities, or in some cases, also, if you're working working with CRM systems like um, HubSpot or Salesforce, you can put scoring in place to help you get people or, or drive people to that MQL stage. Then you get down into the sales qualified stage, and that's typically where, um, you know, marketing not let's go of the lead, that's not right, but you know, hands the lead to sales and they start to work them together. So a sales qualified lead would be something that sales says like, yes, these guys are ready for me to talk to, or yes, these guys fit the profile of who we wanna go sell to, and they kind of take it from there. And then of course that leads to opportunity and they're within opportunity and deal stages, there could be additional acronyms used, um, but that's that's where all of that came from. And I'll try to stay away from the jargon <laughs> moving forward
0: one of the things that i i believe gets to be kind of complicated for organizations is understanding like when to be testing and how often to be optimizing mm-hmm. what are your what are your thoughts there and yeah are there minimums to ensure like significance to testing whatever you're testing throughout the funnel
1: yes yeah, so I think of all of our marketing campaigns as kind of living, breathing beasts. And I don't even just mean campaigns. I mean, your, your marketing engine overall is this living thing that, that you can never just set and forget. Um, and so at any given time, you could be optimizing a landing page or a page on your website or an ad or an image or a color or, you know, there are, there are just endless things that you can pay attention to. And it's enough to, t- to drive any marketer insane and definitely to turn off anybody who's like, I don't get marketing at all. Um, but what I found is that if you, back to that KPI question, if you understand as a leader, like what marketing KPIs are and like know those and have set up the campaigns or know your marketing team has set up the campaigns to meet those, um, then, you know, understanding those guiding models can, can really help keep the, the testing focused and disciplined. Um, and and not allow it to get kind of out of hand and not let the sort of marketing optimization frenzy overload um, take over, which can definitely happen. And the other thing I've found um, that that really works to kind of help keep the, the sanity there is as you're developing your campaign often, I think um, you' you come up with a few different concepts right? You're like this pain point could work and this is how we could address it or this is how we could message it. But then there are a few other hypotheses about how you might, like go about talking about these things. And so when you're developing your ad copy, don't develop one ad, develop five. And as soon as you know how that like initial hypothesis is working, you can, and, and if it is great, if it's not, you have something to like swap out, you know, same with, you know, landing pages. Don't just develop, you know, one set of imagery. You could develop a few, you could have a few different banners and those banners could look the same and have different words or have different, um, you know, design with the same words. Um, you know, there, there are definitely ways to kind of structure your testing so that it doesn't drive you nuts and it doesn't drive all your partner teams who are developing all your assets for you and, you know, kind of acting on the fly um, nuts as well. But I guess the 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 crux of that in summary is like you, you have to be testing and optimizing all the time. And there are ways that that can get very out of hand and also very um, counterproductive. And there are ways that you can really structure it to make the most of it.
0: You know, in the intro, we talked about the importance a little bit of staying on top of trends. So I'm curious how much time you're spending kind of like analyzing the market and understanding <laughs> things externally versus just focusing on what's going on inside.
1: Yeah. So the answer to that question is not nearly enough, not nearly enough time. Um, I I would love to be spending more time, um, you know, spying on my competitors or, um, you know, watching the, the industry, looking at looking at trends, et cetera. Um, I, I think that that's very important. I think it can also be a little paralyzing though, the the quote that keeps coming to me every time I think of, of questions like this is comparison is the thief of joy. Right. And we want our brands to be out not that's, that's, you know, totally a self-help quote. It's not marketing related at all, but it, I think it applies. Um, you want to go be yourself. Um, I think Kaihan Krippendorf, um, talked about that and Out think the competition, how understanding your market is important and your marketing dynamics is important, but you don't have to. To walk into, um, you know, a competitive situation with a complete, you know, dictionary knowledge of of all of the data going on in your market to, you know, stay ahead and to do things creatively, and sometimes it even stalls you from doing things creatively because you're trying to, um, you know, just keep up with them or, you know, figure out what they're doing right that you can that you can mimic. Um, I think the other important thing, though, um, you know. I, often because it's called market research, people think that market research sits with the marketing team. And while I think that market research in terms of understanding your audience is incredibly important and does sit with the marketing team and it is our responsibility, looking at the market should be something that's done at the, the, you know, leadership level, um, you know, so that you don't have marketing off thinking one thing and product off, you know, developing something else. And, you know, the, the two things don't marry up. I think that, like really watching your market, understanding your industry has to be um, you know, a, a it has to to result in a cohesive strategy that that scales down across all departments and not just um, not just the marketing team. So um, you know, in in summary, not even nearly enough. But I'd also like to do it more in partnership with my my other leaders as well.
0: Where do you find new ideas for marketing? Where do you get inspired to come up with innovative? Uh marketing practices?
1: Yeah. So um, I I think at Growth Institute, we're super lucky to live or to work in an environment where we're kind of expected to learn new things and to have new ideas and to, you know, even fail at those new ideas sometimes, not often, but sometimes. Um, And so I, you know, that, that's kind of a, a, I guess, element that I bring to my job every day. Like, what can we do a little bit differently and it kind of always has been when I, back in my agency days, one of the coolest ways that that we came up with new ideas was actually hearing from a lot of the vendors that were doing the innovation in the space. Um, so we would get, you know, people coming to us and telling us all about at the time, you know, how the, the ad exchanges were changing everything. And all of a sudden you could buy things like TV and radio via ad exchange and, you know, measure it just like display. Um, you know, those kinds of things were were always so exciting to me. Um, And I I think now I get more of my ideas from, you know, publications. So some of my favorites are um, the Digiday newsletter, the B2B marketing zone is awesome. If you you have HubSpot and have access to HubSpot University, I've never taken any of their courses before I got to Growth Institute, but I'm loving a lot of their marketing, uh, their marketing stuff. Um, and really just kind of the you know, following thought leaders. Um, I've even taken a few courses over the last year of being at Growth Institute. One very recently was just really, really creative and wonderful. It was all about um, how to build uh, amazing lead magnets um, through Marissa Murgishroyd and her team. So, um, you know, I think it's just, again, about staying curious. And as a marketer, a lot of us are just curious by nature. Um, I think it's, it's one of the traits of the job. Um, but there are definitely so many, uh, you know, experts out there, pieces of information out there, and as, as long as you're you're letting yourself have time to think and play, and not just staying in the weeds um, all the time, um, there's there there's no shortage of new ideas.
0: Great, and I'm curious, like maybe not in a, a giant corporation, but in a small, mid-sized organization, like many of our community members are running. What do you see as the role for the marketing leader in the actual execution of the Mm marketing? How often should they kind of be in the weeds with their teams to kind of understand and feel out for themselves what's happening and and where to make pivots and adjustments?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's so incredibly important for marketers at any level to remember and not forget how to execute um, I think that it's really important to your point, Alex, to be able to jump in and help when jumping in and helping is needed. And I think it's also really important to just know on any given day, like what your team is going through based on what's being asked of them. Um, you know, it. it, it I think it's, it's really important to, you know, understand all of the steps and all of the assets that are needing to be created and all of the, you know, tiny details and check boxes that need to be checked in order to execute a campaign seamlessly from start to finish. And you know, leaders who forget the, the level of detail that goes into pulling a marketing campaign off are the leaders who, um, you know, I think, get a little out of touch with, the, with their team sometimes. Um, but you know, I think that uh, not all teams, as to your point, have the luxury of having leaders who are just strategy and just execution. Um, and, and I think that you have to find the balance for yourself. And I think the one thing I would say um, is that, you know, depending on your team, depending on the makeup, depending on, you know, what their skill sets are, just making sure that you're using your employees like gifts and passions more than you're not. There's always going to be some like crappy parts of the job. Nobody likes reporting, nobody likes budgeting, nobody likes filling out the asana calendars, you know, these things just have to get done. But you know, for I think for marketers, maybe in particular, the the creative piece and the like being able to, to work on the parts of the business that you're particularly excited about is incredibly important. And so just making sure that you're, you're allowing your employees the, um, the flexibility to do that at the same time that they're you know, getting the work done um, is incredibly important to, to finding that balance. And so I said that answer your question.
0: Um, any final words of advice or recommendations for our community when it comes to building out or improving their performance marketing stack?
1: I would just say have fun marketing is fun it's, it's innovative it's it's just it should be fun. Um, and I, I think you know, sometimes you can get buried in the data, you can get buried in you know kind of what's working and what's not working and and I think the The campaigns that have worked the best for me have always been the campaigns where i've had the most fun putting them together, and I think it's also what sets yourself apart Mike Michalowicz just wrote a book that i've been reading through called get different. Um, It's a great book and it has some really great tools along with it if you're I'll give Mike a little plug there because I'm really enjoying the book but um, you know he he says you know marketing doesn't have to be big complex it just it needs to be simple and it needs to be fun and it needs to set you apart and so I just think putting the fun back into um, back into your marketing is is important if it's not already there.
0: Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates. Or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again and see you next time.